But essentially, the fluoride from a conventional fluoride toothpaste drops away exponentially with time. And that's not what we want. We want a, a slow, sustained delivery of fluoride over the time period between brushing your teeth. So over 10 to 12 hours. And, and, and that's essentially what the Biomin F toothpaste is designed to do. Hello and welcome back to Series 3 of the Smile Revolution podcast, brought to you by Smile Revolution. I'm Victoria Wilson, a dental therapist. This podcast is created for you, the dental profession, and this one in particular is going to get you thinking more about toothpaste. Thanks to my outstanding interviewees, Professor Robert Hill, who is Research Director at Queen Mary's University London and Professor of Physical Science in relation to dentistry, the researcher behind the Biomin F toothpaste, and Richard Watley, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Biomin Technologies. On today's show, we delve into the science behind this toothpaste that I have become so interested in learning about. Aside from interviewing colleagues about their career paths, we are now introducing more content on other aspects to serve the profession and deepen your knowledge around certain research. To be honest with you all, I certainly identified a void in my knowledge around toothpaste that this podcast has certainly helped fill. I am confident you are also going to start looking into toothpaste in a different way. Yet I hope this podcast answers immediate questions that I had in building my understanding around this fascinating toothpaste, Biomin F. This podcast is dedicated to oral health promotion with a mission to inspire dental hygienists, dental therapists and the dental profession in your career moving forward all around the world. This podcast was recorded prior to isolation during COVID-19. However, I am sure for most of the listeners this is the perfect opportunity for you to delve into reading even more about what has been discussed on the podcast that has certainly shifted my mindset on toothpaste. Through listening to our conversation, I know you will learn, gain inspiration, supporting your advancements to help achieve oral health for all. So today I am with Robert Hill and Richard Watley from Biomin and it's such a pleasure to have you on the Smile Revolution podcast. So welcome to the Smile Revolution podcast. It's our pleasure to be with you. And my initial real interest within Biomin began, I think it must have been in November at the Oral Health Conference in Wales last year, when I was actually on a stand for Enlighten, and I happened to be your neighbour throughout the show. (laughs) (laughs) It was lovely to have such a good neighbour, Victoria. (laughs) Well, it was so interesting for me, and I kept popping back and forth as I started to learn a bit more about Biomin and the technology and my questions started to evolve and my interest. 
after the point, we then spoke slightly more Richard um, via LinkedIn um, to now be at the point of recording this podcast to have the opportunity to really share what I've already learned and for you to answer even more questions about this fascinating toothpaste that we're going to start talking about today. So I couldn't have two better people to be speaking about this and the researcher behind it, Robert, yourself, and um, obviously yourself, Richard, as well. So Robert, I'd like to first start with really just going back to what we as clinicians, what exactly we've been looking at for years is the parts per million of fluoride within the toothpaste. So we've always thought that it has an increased efficacy, i.e. depending on the needs of the patient, i.e. if they are more caries susceptible, maybe we should be increasing the fluoride content of the toothpaste. So what is the current understanding behind this and um, where we have reached to this point today? Well, I, I, I think it's generally accepted that, that fluoride in toothpaste plays a, a big role in caries prevention, right? But um, the, the, the sort of leading expert on caries, uh, uh, Professor Tenkata, uh, uh, has said that, that what you really want is a sustained fluoride level in the mouth. And one of the problems with conventional fluoride toothpastes it is the fluoride is essentially washed away by salivary flow with time. Uh, and uh, in fact, if you, you look at the data in the literature and, and calculations, then the, the, the fluoride drops below a therapeutic value from the very high value in the toothpaste to less than one part per million in, in about 90 minutes. It, it does depend on a lot of factors like the salivary flow rate of the patient, and the salivary uh, volume of the patient. But essentially, the fluoride from a conventional fluoride toothpaste drops away exponentially with time. And that's not what we want. We want a, a slow, sustained delivery of fluoride over the time period between brushing your teeth. Yes. So over 10 to 12 hours. And, and, and that's essentially what the Biomin F toothpaste is designed to do. Yeah. And you mentioned just about um, the salivary content. Um, and saliva does play a huge part in the irons available, I, calcium. Oh, oh, oh yes. I mean, uh, generally younger patients with good quality saliva and, and high salivary flow rates don't tend to suffer from caries. It, it's those individuals with poor quality saliva, uh, with low salivary flow rates, with xerostoma, that actually suffer from caries. Yeah. So in regards to the drop-off or the, the actual fluoride concentration within the toothpaste, you say it's obviously about 90 minutes, generally speaking. Yeah. Yes, but, it, 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 it will depend on the individual and their salivary flow rates, and some people produce more saliva per minute than, than others. It will also drop away, for example, at night. So the salivary flow rate drops considerably at night. Um, um, yeah, so. So this is obviously something that as clinicians, we obviously are aware of. We do look at patients with xerostomia um, and the impact that this may have on caries, etc. Yeah. But also when we're thinking about the, the toothpaste, 
that we are recommending for them. This is something, of course, we need to be considering, i.e. how readily available are those ions within the yep. saliva and also within the toothpaste? Yeah, so if you've got a patient that's prone to caries, generally their, their salivary concentrations of calcium and phosphate will be lower uh, than an individual who's not so prone to caries. And for that reason, um, the, the, the toothpaste we've developed not only delivers fluoride, but, but also delivers calcium and phosphate. And you need the calcium and phosphate in addition to the fluoride to drive the remineralization process and prevent the caries process. Yeah. So can we now look into the crystalline structure further, i.e. of the appetite structure of the natural teeth? And what we should be considering as clinicians. Okay. So the, 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 the natural tooth mineral in the enamel is an hydroxycarbonated appetite. Uh, and uh, one of the big uh, factors um, with fluoride is it actually converts the, the uh, hydroxy appetite to a fluorapatite. Uh, and the, the fluorapatite is much more stable than the hydroxy appetite towards acid dissolution. It's roughly about a unit of pH more stable to acid dissolution than hydroxyapatite. And that's one of the major benefits of fluoride and, and, and the formation of fluorapatite in terms of both caries prevention and in terms of remineralization. Which I always remember from dental school. This one factor being that this is the more stable molecule that we wish to, to, to obtain to help make patients obviously less at risk. That formation of the fluorapatite acts as, if you like, a barrier to the, the, the caries process and also to, to acid erosion. Yeah. So going back to what you initially said about the amount of time that the fluoride in, is within the mouth, i.e. from the toothpaste, that is provided within the suspension of the toothpaste to the mouth. Historically and generally speaking, we're looking at probably about 90 minutes before that is lost. What is the difference um, with biomin that is significant to us as clinicians and in our thought process and discussion process when it comes to toothpaste? So the, 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 what, what the biomin glass particles do is they stick to the tooth surface. Uh, and we use a, a polymer in the toothpaste called polyacrylic acid. It's the same polymer that gives the adhesion properties to a glass on a cement. So it sticks the glass particles to the surface of the tooth, and then they dissolve slowly over 10 to 12 hours, delivering calcium and phosphate and fluoride. Um, so that gives us a, a, a very different sort of fluoride profile uh, as a function of time compared with a conventional toothpaste. And it's that sustained delivery of fluoride along with calcium and phosphate which give the real benefits. Yeah, and it's the suspension of what it's in, which is the bioactive glass. Yeah, so the, the, the glass is effectively a controlled delivery vehicle uh, for the delivery of the calcium and the phosphate and the fluoride. And if we look into things further, I know that a lot of us are aware of lots of different technologies within toothpaste. Now, Novamine is one thing that comes to mind, which I understand to also be a bioactive glass. 
That's correct. Um, Novamin is based on the original glass um, that was invented back in the 1960s that was used as a bone uh, substitute and bone grafting material. Um, the Biomin F glass has been developed specifically for dental applications, and it differs from the Novamin in that it contains a much higher phosphate content in the glass, and it contains fluoride within the glass structure. Um, whereas the, the Novamin toothpastes uh, originally had no fluoride in them at all, uh, and now the newer versions actually have sodium fluoride added to them. But that sodium fluoride is washed away in the same way as it would be in a conventional toothpaste. And there is significance from our discussions in the actual concentration of the phosphate within the glass. Is that right? Yes. So the, the, the phosphate content is in, in, in the Biomin F glass is almost three times higher than that in Novamin. Uh, and we, we need that phosphate uh, to help drive uh, the remineralization process. The higher the phosphate uh, that's present in, in the glass composition, the more, the more quickly it forms the, the appetite phase. So that's something for us to be considering as clinicians. So building an understanding of bioactive glass and that it is readily available in other toothpaste, but actually what is combined within that glass uh, molecule and the different the, the different amounts of what is included within that molecule, which is going to have an impact on how efficient the uptake of that fluoride is going to be on the tooth surface, um, and how that will bond to the to the surface, and at the speed at which that will take place. That's that's right. In, 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 with the biomin, it's all been optimized. Um, to, to give you the, the, the ideal performance uh, as far as we're able to. I mean, we, it, it, we, we really would like to deliver calcium and phosphate in the ratios that are present in the appetite mineral, which we're not quite able to, to do yet, but mm. it, it's still um, uh, much better than in the Novamin. Yeah. And then for it to be in the suspension that it is for allowing it to bond to the, the tooth structure and other soft tissues in the mouth. Yes. Gives I mean, that substantivity. Yes. I mean, one, one of the things we when we designed it, it was designed to the, the, the polyacrylic acid component was designed to bind it to the, the actual appetite of the, of the tooth mineral to keep the glass particle in place and, and prevent the glass particles themselves being washed away by salivary flow. Uh, in actual fact, our studies show that the particles actually tend to bind to the soft tissues in the mouth uh, uh, more than they do to the hard tissues, to the enamel surface. And that's simply because in the mouth, we've got so much uh, more soft tissue surface area than we have got tooth surface area. Yeah. But that still allows for the uptake of the fluoride for that extended period of time um, within the tooth structure for any, obviously, areas that require fluoride uptake. Exactly. And, and, and it, it, it doesn't matter too much whether it, the, the glass particles are, uh, are stuck to the teeth or to the soft tissues. The key thing is they remain in the mouth uh, to be able to 
release the calcium and phosphate and fluoride ions into the saliva. Yeah. And for me to start to understand this, I'm sure clinicians as well listening can resonate with chlorhexidine, um, being, having the ability for the substantivity to remain in the mouth for X amount of hours. And that's something that is a key consideration, I think, in our decision-making process moving forward, or even our analytical mind moving forward when it comes to deciding um, what to discuss with patients or what to be looking out for when we're reading articles surrounding um, toothpaste, for instance, hence for this podcast today. So, I mean, it's, it's groundbreaking, really, to understand that now there is this possibility with toothpaste because it's ideal. The, we know that, you know, the acid levels fluctuate within the mouth every time we eat. And if we know that there still can be that additional fluoride um, benefit throughout the day, not just after we're eating, then that yeah. is certainly hopefully a preferable thing to support the public's oral health moving forward and what we are trying to treat. Yeah, another big advantage of, of a, a bioactive glass, in, in, including both Novamin and Biomin, is that the, the glass actually reacts faster when the pH is low or acidic. And, I and, it, 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 and it actually pushes the pH up. And, and that is a particularly uh, attractive feature because if you, you, you drink a, a glass of orange juice or apple juice, which is quite acidic, it will act to neutralize the acidity in the mouth. And how does that actually work? Well, the, the, the mechanism by which the, the glass particles dissolve, the first step is the exchange of hydrogen ions, which determine the pH, with calcium and sodium ions in the glass structure. And so the hydrogen ions go into the glass uh, and the calcium and, and the sodium ions come out. And the fact that hydrogen ions go in uh, reduces the acidity. I'm with you. So even more benefit for patients at risk of caries because predominantly their pH levels are lower. Yes, um, and, and we have a big issue these days with uh, people moving to a more grazing uh, eating style um, where every time you eat or drink something, the pH will go um, acidic and then the, uh, over several hours it will come back to, towards pH 7. But if you're eating or drinking in the meantime, you will uh, not get back to that pH of 7 and, and the pH in the mouth will stay acid for a much longer period. Putting patients at a greater risk of enhanced risk of caries. So, yep. very interesting. Thank you so much, Robert, for sharing that. Okay. I mean, and then something looking into um, or reflecting back on our discussions as well and also reading some papers that Richard's kindly shared with me. Um, is that in regards to our diets today, you, you briefly just mentioned it, we go through maybe grazing now and we're eating more frequently throughout the day. Um, and there was definitely a push towards, you know, smoothies for many years. I think we're certainly more mindful of that as a profession now and hopefully the public as well. What is Biomin's F's place within the realm of erosion in dentistry now? Well, I mean, the, the, it, it, it's going to be particular. We haven't done it very much in the way of erosion studies yet clinically, but you'd expect it to be very good uh, simply because it will, it will elevate the pH 
Uh, and the problems with erosion is you remove the calcium and phosphate uh, uh, and the mineral appetite, and the, the biomin can put these back. Okay. But once you've you've lost um, in in caries where you uh, the bacteria digest the proteins, then you don't have any options in terms of you can't remineralize once you've lost the protein components. But you can put back the calcium and phosphate that you've lost and, and biomin uh, and novamin will do that yeah and frequently we're looking at the rda values um as clinicians for patients who have erosion my understanding is the particle size within biomin toothpaste um is smaller than yeah, traditionally with yes. comparison to maybe novamin yes so, so in comparison um, the, the sort of D50, which is, if you like, very crudely, the mean particle size, for Novamin is around about 16 microns. For Biomin, it, it's less than half that. And we've deliberately made the particle size smaller uh, because the smaller the, 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 the glass particle size, the less abrasive it will be towards the enamel. It's a bit like having coarse sandpaper or coarse glass paper and fine glass paper. The coarse glass paper will take more off than the fine yeah. glass paper. Because this is obviously another um, parameter that we're looking at or a marker in, in regards to the decision of maybe which toothpaste should be applicable for a patient. So actually looking at the size of yeah. the particle, obviously, it is key within that. Um, and... In regards to patients trying um, Biomin, I know there's been quite a lot of... Um, data that's been collected on patients that have tried it. Yep. Richard, can I just bring you into the conversation now? Because I know yes. you've been predominant, you've been a key figure within um, reaching out to the profession um, and, and maybe the public who have already tried Biomin. What is their feedback on the, the, the smoothness or their uptake on how they feel that the toothpaste is for them? I think um, the first thing we did when after taking uh, Roberts uh, and his uh, co-workers research and scaling this up into bulk production of making thousands of tubes of toothpaste, we decided to go out and do a, a fairly mass um, uh, evaluation uh, with uh, the general public. And we got over a thousand users uh, testing the product. And we got uh, about, four, uh, about 436 uh, responses. So we had a very, very high response rate. Anyone that does uh, this type of uh, general uh, trialing uh, will uh, realize that when you get over 40% return rate, that's very good. What we found from that was that um, the overall um, uh, re response was extremely positive in terms of flavor, in terms of texture. So those are two things we really want to know about. The other thing, within the 436, around about half of them uh, claim to have sensitivity. Obviously, there was no uh, clinical evaluation. It was purely uh, a um, postal survey. But, they, uh, but the, um, within that group, around about 65%, within two weeks of using the product, uh, reported back to us that they'd had significant uh, reduction in sensitivity. 
And that, that from a general public perspective, is a, a sensitivity is a much easier thing to measure uh, than, say, um, erosion and, 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 and caries remineralization. But um, so we had um, uh, very, very positive results um, uh, on sensitivity. Around about 15% within two weeks were symptom free. And these were people who'd had long-term sensitivity. So I think that gave us the, um, the confidence that what Robert and his team had seen in the laboratory could be replicated in, in, uh, in, the, in the mouth. And then uh, just last year, we had a couple of Italian dentists who um, uh, did a similar survey using the same uh, survey um, uh, forms uh, in their own practice with patients that they'd had continuous problems. I'm sure that you and your colleagues have many uh, patients who have been long-term sufferers from sensitivity. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Irrespective of what you, I'm sure that your listeners will uh, uh, will will immediately think of people that they know that, that they've been trying to solve the problem for years. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> These two dentists uh, got hold of about 30 of their patients and um, who uh, they'd had long-term problems with. And again, they saw within this group even better results. They saw um, uh, probably because they were able to give better oral hygiene instruction and, and, uh, and, and explain the product, they got uh, around about 80% of their patients who had had long-term sensitivity within, um, uh, within two weeks reporting significant improvements. And again, a large number of these uh, were symptom-free and that uh, that uh, um, study is just about to be published in uh, prevention um, next month. Um, mm. yeah. Well that's really interesting for us as clinicians because listeners I'm sure everyone can really resonate with those patients that we fear for when they come in for any reason for their sensitivity today you want to ensure that you deliver the treatment as comfortably as possible for their their retention and for ensuring that they continue to come back and they're compliant and sensitivity is one of the biggest issues we have for lack of compliance you know or maybe even um lack of retention um of attending appointments so we are always looking for products to support these patients because it's obviously a challenge. So that's very reassuring for us to hear that, you know, for those key um, uh, group of patients that repeatedly return with sensitivity, that the results are being achieved to reduce their sensitivity. Yeah, but we've also had from many of you, uh, from a number of your hygienist colleagues, uh, responses back saying that after the use of, of, of biomin, they're finding that scaling and uh, scaling is far more uh, acceptable to patients. I'm sure that you've got a number of patients that um, who find you, you've got to use local anaesthetic if you're going to do any scaling with them. Yeah. We, we've had good reports back that a number uh, have reported that sometimes they don't need to use the, um, uh, the local anaesthetic they had to before. Yeah. So we know that's working well. Yeah. And the other aspect that um, we're getting very positive feedback is to, uh, the reduction of sensitivity associated with tooth whitening, which is a major issue for major. many people. And I think some of the hygienists that are really supportive of biomin, I think it's from their own personal use of, uh, of whitening their teeth that they found it's less painful than it was the previous time. Well, that's always a good marker. I think we always try and test things on ourselves as much as we can as clinicians, because then you can truly, honestly feed back to patients authentically, which is really yeah, the best. So anyone listening that wants to try, <laughs> just get in contact. 
stuck with us. <laughs> okay. We'll share all the links after the podcast recording. Now, thank you so much, Richard. Robert, can I now return to you and look into the science behind why it is likely that biomin is having such a great impact on overcoming sensitivity? Um, one of the things that we've done in biomin, um, we made the glass particle size smaller uh, to reduce the abrasivity, but we also made it smaller so that we could have a higher proportion of the little glass particles to go into the dentinal tubules. Yes, and that's, I think, the key, isn't it? And that, that's one of the key things. Um, but also, when, when the glass uh, uh, degrades, uh, it forms the fluorapatite on the uh, peritubular dentine. Um, yes. And the fluorapatite is then much more stable to uh, acid attack than hydroxyapatite would be or calcium carbonate, which is in some of the other sensitivity toothpastes. Um, so it provides a, um, a better tubular occlusion and a more durable tubular occlusion. Uh, and our data, and, and those of some other uh, companies who, who've worked with us, show that the, um, when we occlude the tubules and then we give it an acid challenge, that the, 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 the tubules stay uh, occluded. And we, we also measure something called hydraulic conductance. We actually measure the fluid flow through drip dentine and then apply the toothpaste, measure the fluid flow again, and we see a massive reduction in the fluid flow. Uh, 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 and then we, 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 we have an acid challenge uh, and the fluid flow hardly changes at all. Whereas with a lot of the other commercial toothpastes, when you give it an acid challenge, the, the, the fluid flow drops back to where it was originally. And I think um, we are very um, aware as clinicians of lots of pictures we've seen throughout the years of how the toothpaste occludes the tubules. And then there's lots of video content about how you get the movement of the fluid within the tubules post. So again, this would be something we will be writing an article following on from this podcast recording, and actually maybe sharing the visuals behind backing up what yep. Robert's saying for us to visually see, because I think it's always helpful for us to see something as well. But to understand that the, the fluid flow is reduced, or yep. fairly measurable is yep. significant in the sensitivity, isn't it? Yes, and it, 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 if you look at what was known as Brandstrom's theory, Brandstrom advocated that it was the fluid flow within the dentinal tubules yeah. that actually triggered the nerves within the pulp chamber, which caused the pain. Yeah. So thank you so much for that. Listeners, can you picture already what you'd like to be seeing within those tubules? I can, so <laughs> watch out for the article. Um and um, Richard, you mentioned some research coming out um, that potentially we can look out for. Um, is there anything else we should be looking out for or reading to further our background at this point in regards to biomin? I think that we've got, if you go onto uh, the biomin website, 
There's a lot of general articles yes. uh, through interviews with Robert and his colleagues um, about the, both the science and also um, we've now got six um, uh, clinical articles uh, of clinical publications that show uh, the effectiveness of the uh, of biomin to reduce sensitivity. So um, I think I would refer people to our website and to be able to download the information they require. Yes. And, and uh, depending on the level of their interest, they, if they want the hard science, we've got the scientific papers. If they want general introduction and understanding of how this works, uh, that's also available from uh, from on articles that we've had um, written for the dental press. Yes, and I'd like to also just add to what you're saying. I've been watching, there's an online 55-minute lecture, which is a free resource for all of us, where you can listen to Robert discuss the, all the science behind biomin and bioactive glass that I think is very insightful and as well supports the visuals. So I definitely check that out, and we will be providing the link for that. Um, underneath the podcast recording in the about section. Now, one point that I just would like to come to, which was one thing that resonated with me when I first had the discussions with the team was understanding that the fluoride content within the Biomin F is less than what we are looking out for as a profession in regards to delivering better oral health from the Delivering Better Oral Health Toolkit which recommends 1,000 plus parts per million um, and, and, and obviously more than that uh, as time goes on. Now, we briefed on this at the beginning of the podcast about understanding historically that increasing the fluoride content is indicated for patients more at risk. But can you please go into the nature behind how this is is fine and also the endorsement behind your product through the oral health foundation in regards to the content of fluoride you want me to answer that so um the the, the fact that you get this slow sustained delivery is, is what gives biomin the, the, the benefit when the the oral health guidelines were drawn up the biomin f toothpaste didn't exist so they were drawn up around existing toothpastes. Right. So in a sense, um, it's not really applicable to biomin. Yeah. Because biomin is the only uh, slow delivery system of fluoride. Mm. Um, so this overcomes the need for the higher concentration, which would have been lost within the first 90 minutes to it being around. So possibly... Could we yeah. arguably start to think maybe there is even more fluoride available um, for all tooth yeah, services I mean, the, the, over that time? The other thing I would say with toothpaste, and, and, and this is something we've also built into Barmin, is a lot of toothpastes um, are so strongly flavoured and so minty. Yes. It almost, it, it would be uncomfortable not to rinse to some degree, after brushing your teeth. And, and if you look at the average consumer, something like 70% of them rinse. Yes. And, and, and this is and something... As soon as, you, we... soon as you rinse, you watch nearly all that fluoride <laughs> gone, not, not in, in, in 90 minutes, 
but in less than 30 seconds. And this is so true. And this is obviously, listeners, I know you can resonate with this. We're always encouraging patients, please don't rinse. And I think our regular patients, of course, don't now, but and my mother, I know, was always inclined. And I'm always saying, please do not rinse, you know, after brushing. And I think she's got it now, but um, it is naturally what we did. And that's probably rooted from the fact that the toothpaste, as you've quite rightly just said, was so strong. So, yes. and the bi- the biomin d- is deliberately a, I mean, I don't know if you've tried it, but it is a very soft, mild, uh, and that in- you know we don't want to encourage people to spit all the the the, the, the toothpaste uh, and and the active ingredients out immediately mm. after brushing. We want to retain um, uh, some of it on the mouth uh, uh, in the mouth to to have this prolonged action. Yes. Um, going back to your question there, not for the purpose because I'm speaking to you, but actually because I'm so interested in the product and the the sense behind it. My children use it and so do I now. So um, I think just from reading so much, I, I feel in a place that I can, I'm happy to make the decision, yeah. not, not in a, alignment with delivering better oral health toolkit, but more down to the understanding of, of the concept and the science yeah. behind the toothpaste and also Richard's um, um, support in saying that obviously um, the Oral Health Foundation endorse it, which is obviously a process in itself. And Richard, could you just go into that for me, please? Yes, I think one of uh, that, um, uh, as all of your uh, listeners would know, the Oral Health Foundation is um, uh, a very reputable uh, group and um, uh, they um, have an accreditation system um, uh, to look at oral health co- uh, products and to see which ones they would recommend. Yes. And so um, I was in contact with, well, we were in contact with the Oral Health Foundation uh, about uh, two years ago and um, uh, provided all of the information for their expert panel to review the, uh, the product. And uh, they, they uh, went through all of Robert's science and the early studies that we, we, we received. We were delighted that the expert panel panel came up um, uh, with um, accrediting the product as the first uh, toothpaste to be accredited for um, uh, sensitivity relief and for remineralization. So, um, uh, and as I understand at the moment, we are still the only accredited product for these two um, uh, benefits. Mm. Thank you so much, because from a clinical standpoint, that supports, I feel, my decision in making uh, the choice to recommend biomin and certainly be using it for patients because it is that endorsement and mm-hmm. like you said it's a very stringent panel and to be the one of the only ones there um specifically the only one there specifically for this um is support in um in our decision making process as clinicians they also reviewed all of our instructions for use as well. Okay. So this is also a very important part of the process. And I'd just like to re-emphasize to brush your teeth um, uh, as hygienists teach for, uh, for two minutes, but then uh, to, uh, to swirl the foam around your mouth for about half a minute. Uh, it's really good to try and get as much of the glass to be able to bind to the tooth and to be integrated in- uh, onto the soft tissues and then just spit out no rinsing just spit 
Well, thank you for that. I've learned something new. I have to say, I don't swirl it around thinking, but it makes sense. Well, understanding, I will, and understanding the science behind it, thanks to Robert's explanation and now thinking clinicians about what's bonding to the surfaces and the soft tissues of the tooth and how this could impact our patients' oral health, i.e. the uptake of the fluoride. And also for the kids, by the way, next month we're coming out with a, a kids uh, version of, of Biomin F uh, that's going to be available in strawberry and melon flavors because very often children don't accept uh, the mint uh, mint flavor. So that's um, uh, coming through, I would uh, should imagine, from mid-April onwards. Mid-April onwards, okay. And this has still got the fluoride loaf. Exactly the same. Exactly uh, the same. Exactly the same. It's the 5.30 part per million fluoride, uh, but it's been formulated specifically for ch uh, uh, to be more appealing to children. Okay, well, thank you. And there's just one last question I'd like to ask, because we do have listeners from all over the world. Where is Biomin F currently available around the world? Um, in many, many countries, from China to India to United States, most of the European countries, uh, in Dubai, which you know very well, Victoria. Yes. <laughs> uh, so in some of the Arab countries, and it's increasing all the time. I think we na we're now supplying uh, well over 25 countries uh, around the world. And, wow. um, uh, so it's developing. It's definitely growing. And for listeners, if they're not able to locate it in their country, would you suggest them contacting um, you through the website to be put yeah, in touch with? Go, go on. Uh, there, there's a rep uh, response um, uh, uh, box on the website. Just do that and we'll get back in contact and give them advice where they can get it. From. Okay. And again, all details will be on the about section underneath this podcast to find out more. Well, thank you so, so much for both agreeing to be on the Smart Revolution podcast and for sharing um, so much about Biomin F and for just giving that insight for the listeners into other considerations that we should be considering as clinicians in regards to toothpaste. It's so interesting how this realm is evolving um, for the future of the patient's oral health, the public's oral health, and for us as a profession. So thank you so much for all your work. And um, I look forward to being constantly updated on the evolution of Biomin F. So thank you so much. Thank you, thank you too uh, for your time. My pleasure. And there is just one last thing before the end of the podcast. It's the Smart Revolution fire round. So starting with yourself, Robert, where would you like to see the public's oral health five years from now? I would like to see the incidence of full mouth extractions in children under six uh, reduced substantially because it's a big problem we have, particularly in the east side, east side of London here, where oral health um, is poor amongst large fractions of the population. And some of my colleagues uh, in pediatric dentistry are, are doing six, seven slots a week uh, where they're just doing full mouth extractions on children under six. And that, that's terrible. Yeah, I know. I won't get started on that one. But <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. And, and Richard, 
Where would you like to see Biomin F impacting the public's oral health five years from now? I'd, uh, I'd like to see um, the, the overall quality of life of many people uh, improving. The number of people that suffer from sensitivity is far more than most clinicians are aware. I, uh, anywhere between 30 and 50% uh, uh, have some form of, uh, of sensitivity, and it must really impact uh, people's quality of life. So I would hope that the uh, that biomin will make uh, life a lot more pleasurable um, uh, for many people going forward. Well. Thank you very much to you both and thank you for your time. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it, rate it and leave a review. Please email me on info at smile-revolution.net. I can't wait to learn how this recording has impacted you. And lastly, don't forget to like, subscribe and follow Smile Revolution on social media for more content. Please engage in the comments section. I will read all and respond to as many as possible. The podcast audio is available on all major platforms and video content on the podcast can now be found on the Smile Revolution YouTube channel. To stay up to date on all Smile Revolution projects, subscribe to the Smile Revolution newsletter by emailing info at smile-revolution.net stating subscribe to newsletter. Thanks for joining me and being part of the Smile Revolution.